Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. There were 49 people shot in the city of Chicago over the Memorial Day weekend. More than there were shot last year. More dead than last year. The Chicago public schools don't pretend even to educate it anymore, particularly the low-income black and brown students that serve as cash cows for the Chicago Teachers Union. The politics is in disarray. The police department has been brutalized by politics and has gone fetal. And for and through all this, I have a question. Can Paul Vallis, as mayor, save the city of Chicago? Our guest today is Paul Vallis, former CEO of the Chicago Public Schools, running for mayor, a man, and I've told him many times not to do this, and he's still doing this. So Paul Vallis is here against my better advice. And Jeff Carlin is here, executive producer, WGN Radio, future physics teacher, my friend, master of pies, master of cats. And me, John Cass, husband, father, editor-in-chief of johncassnews.com. So where are you with dozens of people shot and the cops gone fetal? And Kim Fox charging carjackers with guns with misdemeanors rather than felonies. And violence rushing over the city and the schools completely failing and the taxes and the city finances in chaos. And all we hear is racial politics and the politics of tribes. Where are you? You're on the Chicago Way podcast on WGN Plus. Look, the, the Chicago Way is a deep cultural phenomenon. It's the Chicago Way. The Chicago Way. That's the focus. In a tower by the river, there lived a man. There was a man who took a stand with pen and paper in his hand. Defeating foes in every ward with a pen more mighty than the sword. No escape from his ink lasso in a tower by the river. Castle. Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. So, Paul. Good morning, John. Good morning. Can you answer the question? Can Paul Vallis hope to save the city of Chicago? I, I absolutely can. Um, look, I'm running because the city is in crisis as you've defined it. And I have the skills and the experience to provide the leadership that the city desperately needs. You know, I come from a family of veterans, first responders, teachers, and have devoted my entire life to public service, uh, taking on some of the most significant challenges uh, that uh, that 
um, other superintendents and administrators have faced, including rebuilding schools in New Orleans after Katrina. And, uh, and this crisis can be addressed with the right leadership and with, with the type, the, the, a leader who is seasoned in taking on these great challenges, uh, someone who can come in and not only provide uh, the vision uh, and the skills to lead the city, but also can, can really bring to bear the type of talented experts, you know, build a strong leadership team that can come in that can hit the ground running. So yes, these problems are, are severe and the city I believe is at the brink, but I think these problems are eminently solvable. And Paul, so I, we ask everybody this question and this is a question any politician was running for the, any role because it's such so much vitriol towards politicians and the stakes are so high, but, but why at the core of you, why do you want to be mayor and what it will be every morning when you wake up, if you win, I'm mayor because what? Well, look, uh, I've always gravitated toward crises. Every single public service job I've had really since since the uh, since 1990 has been a system of crisis. The, the revenue uh, departments, uh, the scandal ridden revenue department crisis in 90. John, you remember when I became budget director and uh, the year after the, the city had its highest murder rate in history, I think it was 946 murders. And the city had uh, was on the financial brink. The city council had rejected the mayor's previous budget. Uh, again, the city in crisis. The 19, in 1995, the schools were on the verge of bankruptcy. Again, a school district in crisis. The, the takeover of the Philadelphia schools by the state. A school district in crisis. The Katrina, uh, New Orleans after Katrina. Uh, and a school system that was literally destroyed by that hurricane. Not to mention probably one of the worst school districts in the country before that hurricane, a school district in crisis. And these are the things that I've always done. I've, I've always gravitated toward these challenges, uh, uh, often by invitation, uh, because this is what I am. It's the consummate public service to take on the most, uh, to go into the most dire situations and to make things better. It's, it's always been what's driven me and it's what's driving me now. I, I love this city. And, and it, it pains me to see what's happened to the city, both in terms of the breakdown in public safety, in terms of the, the, the literal degrading of the schools, and of course, the ever-increasing cycle of, of, um, of tax and waste that constitutes our budgeting process. And I believe I can change that. I think I have the prescription to change that. Okay. I've only been covering politics in Chicago for several thousand years, probably before fire was invented um, or discovered. And one thing I've noticed in this city of tribes is that there's always been a crew of insiders, finance people, money people, uh, media people, spinners, double tongues. And they all have a story. And their story was for many years, for many months, uh, Arnie Duncan is going to come in with Pritzker money and uh, jo- the widow Job's money and Axelrod and the imprimatur of, of the daily people. And then, then we have uh, uh, this candidate and other candidates coming in and then failing and pulling out. Why are you in? I don't want you in. I don't think the city deserves you, Paul. I mean, I really don't. I, I don't. 
I don't know why you're doing this. I'm trying to understand. Well, look, I'll take that as a form of flattery, and I really appreciate it. Look, um, my wife was not eager for me to get in, in fact, very reluctant to get in, but she has always supported me on all of my missions, so to speak. And of course, my my 93-year-old mother told me that if I didn't run, she would give me my inheritance now. And of course, I told her <laughs> enough to keep me out. But, uh, but look, the bottom line is I'm in because this is what I do. This is a city that I love, and, and I... I can't stand to stand to to see it uh you know become another detroit in, in fact i don't want to i don't want to offend detroit you know i used to say that a, a number of years ago um, when i ran last time that that uh chicago was a uh, was detroit with a thriving downtown now i can't even say that the bottom line is these problems are eminently fixable and i think uh look it's it's a strong mayoral system i'm absolutely confident that uh, if when I am elected, uh, I'll be able to command the support of the council to do what needs to be done to address the issues of crime, to provide parents with real high quality educational choices and to bring some sanity to this budgeting process, which not only uh, uh, condemns us to an end, ever ending cycle of higher taxes, higher fees and higher fines, but also allocates resources that have been that have long uh, neglected um, the poorest areas of the city and I, I believe I have the vision and the skills uh, to uh, turn that uh, to turn that around so Paul what happens day one your your mayor what's your first action well day one I go in and I basically fire uh, Brown and his leadership team and I promote people from within in the positions of responsibility that's what I do on day one uh, on that same day, I communicate to the police officers that we are going to have a return to proactive policing and the police department is going to be supported by the mayor's office and that we are going to change our strategy so that we return to the uh, community policing strategy that had such a significant impact in reducing the murder rates really beginning in the 90s. John, you'll remember we went from 946 murders to, I think, uh, the murder rate was in the mid 400s over a period of seven or eight years uh, after after we put additional police officers on the street, um, built the uh, um, detectives division into probably gave it its highest level of strength in history. And we, in effect, engaged in a in a, a type of community policing strategy uh, so that people in the community would know the police officers that were covering the beat and the and the police officers on that beat would be familiar to the community. So those are things that I would do immediately. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that uh, if, I did, uh, if I did those basic things, I could, I could convince those officers that are right now contemplating retirement. We've had a record level of retirements and transfers to other police departments. 1,500 officers have left in the last uh, 18 months. I'm absolutely convinced that I could con- that that I could uh, I could get them to to delay their decisions while I had an opportunity to restore kind of a strategy and insanity to the policing in the city uh, that would make them want to be Chicago police officers and and that would make the Chicago Police Department an attractive place an attractive place for would be recruits. Can the uh, city of Chicago survive another year? of Lori Lightfoot and her friends? I don't know. Look, I, I think things are going to continue to get significantly worse. The real danger here 
I don't think Lori Lightfoot's going to win, even if I'm not the, uh, if I'm not in a runoff with her. Uh, I don't think she's going to win. Uh, I believe that we're going to have another mayor, but the danger is that we <clears throat> replace her with somebody who may have a, I mean, maybe more congenial, maybe less confrontational with the city council. You know, may have a different personality, but is equally ill-equipped when it comes to managing this great city. This is a twenty-eight billion dollar enterprise. And we continue to turn the leadership of this enterprise over to individuals who are fundamentally incompetent, uh, individuals who have really never run anything, just with the promise that, well, they'll bring in good people. Well, you know, when you consider people in the business community and what they've contributed, you know, and, and the degree to which they supported candidates in the past, you would think that they, they'd uh, give a little deeper thought when it comes to trying to find a candidate or trying to support a candidate who can actually run the city, who actually has balanced multi-billion dollar budgets, who actually has gone into crisis situations and turned things around. But unfortunately, we continue to uh, put into leadership positions people who are fundamentally incompetent. Well, um, Jeff, I, 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 I'm fascinated by how this is going to work out. The, uh, the Chicago media particularly is all the way woke now. And uh, both newspapers, whatever they are, you know, whatever they represent, represent in in a sense uh, a protection for the Chicago Teachers Union at the expense of the uh, poorest and and most needy children in the city. We've seen this time and time again. This kind of coverage, where it's all about emotions and feeling and it's manipul it's manipulative and the bottom line is that the kids aren't learning so if you if paul vallis becomes uh, even to get to the status to the position of a runoff you're going to have to you're going to have to cut through the noise in the media can you do that you know i'm confident i have for three reasons one is um there are still people in the media who have had long experience with me and they know I'm a, I'm a person of substance. And you know the jokes that uh, you ask me a question and I come out with a white paper and I'll take that. Some people, some political people will see that as an insult, but people who want solutions, I, I view that as a confident, uh, as a compliment. And I think some people in the media say that affectionately. So I, 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 I'm confident that, that, um, that I'm going to get the fair treatment that that my willingness to be upfront and direct with what I'm going to do deserves. And, uh, you know, so I think that is going to give me an, an advantage. Second thing, the second thing is particularly with newer people in the media, I think they've learned from some of the veterans and from their own experience with me is that I'm eminently accessible and I'm always going to answer a question and I'm always going to answer a question with substance. And I think, I think for anyone, for anyone in this profession, I think sometimes that's all they can ask for. So, sure, there's going to be the prognosticators out there. There's going to be part of the old guard that says, well, can he raise enough money? Or, you know, he's he always polls well, but can he run a good campaign, which means can he raise enough money? And I will be able to raise enough money this time. Uh, at the end of the day, I think I'm going to get fair treatment. And I'll tell you, um, I've been I've been fortunate really the last – over the last um, – is it seven or eight months where, where the media has been very, very generous on allowing me to, to 
write very long op-ed pieces with great regularity and giving them high profile, high exposure. Why? Because those pieces are substantive. And I know, I know they've gotten a lot of flack from City Hall, but they've chosen substance over politics. So I'm optimistic that I'm going to get the media, that I'm going to get uh, a fair media treatment and that the media is going to give me a, 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 the opportunity to, to get my message out and to, and to communicate effectively with voters, um, let's just say uncensored. But this, you, but okay, so the, the common wisdom is, uh, if you get in the run up with Lori or anybody else, but particularly Lori, you'll win the election. The point is, can you get to the get into the runoff uh, with all these forces against you with, um, you know, uh, the old guard, the daily people? They say uh, you're a daily guy, but I know different. I know I know the facts of it because I was there and I've told this story before to you and to others. And I'll tell you to you again that when you were budget director, you were questioning why is the city wasting so much money buying all this high cost salt from certain purveyors? And you kept asking about it at budget meetings and the people that sold the salt uh, were involved in Melrose Park. How you doing? How you doing in other places? And Pat Hules, the mayor's floor leader, came to me when I was uh, contemplating a beef sandwich in the uh, in the in the uh, in the city council annex or the back room, as people think it's called. And he said to me, "We were it's a, it was a quiet moment." He comes up to me and he says, "John, what's with your Greek friend?" And I'm like, "What? I don't know what. What are you talking about?" And he's like, he keeps asking about the salt. He keeps asking the mayor about the salt. And uh, it wasn't my first rodeo. So I know <laughs> that uh, that was a message that was sent to me, hopefully to, that would get to you. Like, why is he asking about the salt? And, and these people are still, many of them are still that old guard that corrupted the city, that destroyed the city. Um, that put you into the Chicago public schools hoping that you'd fail, not succeed, um, they're still at it. And they're still playing their games, and they're still pulling their puppet strings. You know, I hear Gary Chico might run. I hear uh, the White Shadow Arnie, Arnie Duncan might be encouraged to come back. What the hell is going on with these people? I don't, I don't get it. The city is falling apart every day. Well, look, no one said it was going to be easy, right? But then nothing that I've done in life has been easy. And, and it's, it's the, uh, you know, it's the experience of growing, growing up uh, in a, in, in a household where, where my, my Greek American grandparents, grandparents who came here had to struggle and of course my my father had to struggle being a world war ii vet and coming back thank god for the gi bill i remember when he 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 he, uh passed the cpa exam and after his third try i remember that morning of course we didn't have much money so he and it was a sunday and everything was closed on michigan avenue in in roseland and uh so he he was just so proud that he had passed, and he passed with a bare, barely passing score. And I'm not trying to in any way insult my father. It was just an extraordinary moment. 
because he was working while he was studying. And I remember he took us up the avenue and I remember he was wearing a T-shirt and I remember it was a it was a hot summer day. And so I I'm used to that experience. I'm I've, I, I was blessed growing up in a family where we had three generations in the household. You know, my, my my mother's mother lived with us for almost three decades. and My father's father lived with us for almost two decades. And so I was blessed with those lessons and those experiences. And what what emanated from that was, you know, I grew up in a family where my grandparents, I remember my grandfather didn't want relief during the depression. He didn't want, he didn't want to take money from, from the government. And I'm not disparaging anybody who does, but, but the point is that was kind of like the, 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 um, that was the attitude in, in that time. You know, I remember that, that, uh, uh, that these were self-made men and women uh, uh, who, who carved, who made, who sacrificed all their lives so their children would have it better. And then their children, in the case, in this case, my father and mother sacrificed their lives, their, their, their lives and, th- and their happiness. Um, uh, so their children could have it better. And I just, uh, this, it, this has been the environment that I've always, uh, that I grew up in. And I think this, these are one of the things that, that, um, I think that's really driven me to embrace public service. The need to to give people a real opportunity to help those who are in need, to help those who have have, have not had the advantages that I've had, and I, I just think it's ingrained in my in my experience. It's who I am, and that's why I've always gravitated toward these crises. You remember, John, after New Orleans, after the devastating earthquakes and. In, in Haiti and and literally about a year later in Chile, um, I went off to those distant places and worked uh, for years, basically trying to help those countries rebuild. Why? Because there was a need. Why? Because this is in my DNA. The city's in crisis, and that's why I'm running. I think uh, everything about my experience, everything about my temperament, everything about uh, what I've done in public life has really prepared me for this challenge. It clearly uh, will be a, a much greater challenge, even, uh, and I think in many ways, and on many dimensions, a greater challenge than I faced in New Orleans after Katrina, uh, because we're facing an educational Katrina here. We're facing a public safety Katrina here. We're facing a financial Katrina here. Uh, this, is a, this is a man-made storm that has devastated the city um, because of poor political decision-making because people have placed their interests first uh, ahead of the interests of the city as a whole. And that's why I'm here and that's why I'm running. And that's why I'm going to win. The, uh, the issue is crime and violent crime in Chicago. I think that's the economy, crime, education. These are the issues, public safety, but you can a mayor of Chicago cannot, do it all by by himself or herself. We have uh, in Chicago the criminal justice system. There is uh, Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox, who uh, is not a prosecutor. I think she's more of a social justice warrior hugger. The uh, Chief Judge Tim Evans um, doesn't believe that teenage killers of little children in the street gang wars um, should be should be held accountable because he says their their frontal uh, cerebral cortex is not uh, developed. 
I mean, it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And, uh, and uh, on and on, Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle has backed Kim Fox into shrinking the jail. And Lori Lightfoot, to her uh, detriment, knew what was wrong with the decision that she was going to make. I know because I talked to her about it, and still she endorsed Kim Fox for re-election. How can a mayor expect to deal with all this, you know, with the problems facing Chicago and violence without dealing with Fox, Preckwinkle, Evans, and the rest of them? Well, the problem with the mayor is she's given lip service to criticizing Fox, but really for all practical purposes, hasn't done anything. Obviously, you pointed out that she's supported Fox, but she she hasn't really taken on either Fox or Frank Wickle. And, 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 and look, the way you deal with that situation, obviously you hope for the next election, you hope for a better outcome. But the way you deal with that situation is, first of all, you restore proactive policing. You you go back to community policing, police beats are covered. You begin to fill, restore the police vacancies, and you aggressively recruit police, a new police, while incentivizing the existing police not to leave. And then you set up programs like a witness protection program, which they don't have, so that you can have the witnesses there that can help build stronger cases. And I think there is no substitute to proactive, aggressive policing, and that's something that needs to be instituted. Because let me point out that the police have cleared only 30% of the murder cases over the last six years. And Brown is talking about record numbers of cases cleared without telling you that half those cases that they're clearing don't even result in arrests. So at the end of the day, uh, uh, you know, there's no, you know, you have to arrest in order to prosecute someone. So, so rank and file police need to be supported and provided the resources to be effective. But then you have to be prepared to bypass Fox. Because you can. You can bypass Fox if she refuses to charge. Uh, I did an op-ed in the Tribune about creating a, uh, a a judicial review unit, which would monitor every and publicize every decision that Fox or the judges would make regarding bail, regarding charging people, with, with, regarding sentencing, to bring full transparency uh, at what they're not doing or what they're failing to do, while at the same time, sometimes very aggressively bypassing bypassing the uh, Cook County State's attorney when she refuses to level charges. Because let's face it, this in many respects is political theater and you have to draw attention to what is not happening. I mean, Dar should be screaming his bloody head off at what Fox, what, uh, what Preckwinkle has done to him in the county jail. Uh, uh, you know, but everybody tries to like to told around it, even the mayor, despite the occasional outbursts and the occasional rhetoric. And look, you have got to work aggressively uh, with the federal prosecutors, the U.S. Attorney's Office, the federal government, the U.S., in order to really sometimes bypass Fox and to bring federal charges and to work with with uh, with the with the federal government to, in effect, uh, bring individuals and charge individuals uh, under federal law, uh, which which carries much greater penalty case, which can be much more punitive than uh, than our state you know, than our, our, our state criminal laws. So at the end of the day, those are some basic things that could be done, I think, that would change the dynamic. Um, obviously, I would, you know, I would not be supportive of a, of a Fox re-election, but it's really important that they find a candidate who can, 
who can effectively challenge her, a candidate of substance, a candidate who has the experience, uh, because, you know, if, if, if this is a critically important office and it's critical that, uh, that, the, uh, that, that, the, uh, that the political powers that be uh, find a legitimate challenger who can, in effect, uh, you know, uh, win that office and, and change the direction of the uh, Cook County State's Attorney's Office. But, but all that gets us to what has been plaguing Chicago politics for many years, and that is racial politics and the race card. And uh, Lori Lightfoot has gone from presenting herself as a, presenting herself as a, a, an agent of change to uh, a, an able practitioner player of the race card. And I wonder, how are you going to stand up against that? You're, you happen to be a white guy. Uh, you're, you're, you're born Greek. When you're born, Greeks weren't white, but now they are. And, uh, and, and how are you going to withstand it? Either her attacks or through through surrogate attacks, I would assume from me from pundits and others. Yeah, I mean, uh, look at the look at twenty nineteen. I mean, the top five finishers in the in the election were three women my, of of color and two businessmen, a black man and a white man. But Paul, you need it looks by my math, you need to get fifty thousand more votes to even push into a runoff compared to last time around. How are you going to close that gap with a mountain of minorities ahead of you? Well, look, racial. It's not a for me, I've always thought that racial politics is overblown. It's overblown when you're not offering any ideas. You play racial politics against a candidate when that candidate is really not offering ideas or solutions. Look, I built 78 schools in Chicago, and 80% of them were in the poorest communities in the city. I put a regional magnet school in every community when they wanted to build Northside College Prep. I built Gwendolyn Brooks. I rebuilt King and Limbloom, the Brownsville Military Academy, which saved that historic armory. I mean, those are the things that I've done. 56% of my contracts, construction contracts, went to minority and women-owned businesses, and 58% of those people who were hired were black and Latinos and women. The bottom line is I've always, I've always advanced an agenda that placed an emphasis on, on, on providing equal opportunity and, and helping those who, who, who uh, had, had the greatest need. Uh, you know, we always talk about tribes, you know, who's your tribe? What's your tribe? What's your tribe? Is it a white tribe? Is it a Latino tribe? Is it a black tribe? My tribe is anybody who believes that every community, that anyone who lives anywhere in Chicago is entitled to live in a community that's safe and secure, that can have their children playing on their porch or in front of their all, going to the local uh, um, going to the local park without any fear of being attacked or accosted. Uh, my tribe is anyone who believes that that you should not be a prisoner uh, uh, of the failing school in, in your own community because you don't have the financial means to send your child somewhere else. Anyone who believes that everyone is entitled that we have a constitutional right, a constitutional right for school choice. My tribe is anyone who believes that the city is 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 is, is uh, on a a tax and spend addiction that is not in improving the quality of life in the community, but yet making this city more and more unaffordable. I mean, you know, when you, when you, when you uh, change the, the speed camera laws so that you reduce the, the, the mile per hour uh, uh, ceiling from 10 to 6, uh, and you write 
more tickets, 2.8 million, more, uh, you write more tickets than we have, we have residents in the city. Who is that punishing the most? It's not punishing the affluent. It's punishing the poor, overwhelmingly black and Latino. So at the end of the day, that's my tribe. That's my tribe. And, and, and that's the coalition I'm going to build. People who believe that public safety is a priority. People believe uh, in real uh, quality school choices. And people believe, who believe that this city needs to, make, needs to be made affordable for all of its residents. That's, that's my tribe. That's my constituency. That's my coalition. Paul Vallis, uh, we hope you'll come back again on the Chicago Way. Will you come well, back? Absolutely. Absolutely. Love to. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, uh, watch, Thanks. Wa- watch your back, my friend. A shield <laughs> a shield over the back might help, especially in the next few weeks. That's in the true Spartan way. Right, exactly. Or <laughs> Thanks, the true Paul. Byzantine way. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for being here. Well, Jeff, it seems that uh, he's in. He d- did not take my advice. He's in. Running. <laughs> yeah running for office, and uh, I don't know if the politics of this corrupt and broken city uh, mm-hmm. would even would embrace a man who 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 can do things. They'd re- yeah. I think I think there are agents in this town that want to buy the sell the city by the pound, right? Buy it short and let it just go to hell, and then come oh, yeah. in and sweep it up, but. Or they see that as an opportunity to institute some sort of, you know, cultural headwind shift, you know, uh, because it's every, everything's weak or no one's watching. I mean, Paul, there's there are, and I don't like to tell people how to vote because that's not my idea. It's, it's your your vote, your choice. Yeah. Paul is is one of the few candidates out there that you see who has actual plans, who has actual ideas and fixes not just lip service, not something that, that a bunch of comms people put together so they could say it in front of a camera or at a, a, a debate. Right. Paul, Paul's been there and he's right. And, you know, he, he I think he needs to, to think about his uh, the catchphrase or the headline for his campaign. And again, I'm not trying to help him in any way other than that. I thought it was smart the way he said he called it. A, you know, a man-made storm is is battering Chicago. And he's the guy who likes to run head, head, headlong into the storm to try to save people. And I mean, if he can, if he can sell that and he can push that out there, I think he's he's can make hay because he's got the ideas. But I think he's going to run into a monolith in the CTU that's going to just you know do whatever they can well, to keep who they want in power. Well, he's he's set set himself up in writing uh, op-eds at John Cass News and most notably at this, my former employee, the Chicago Tribune mm-hmm. employer, where he has advocated real school choice as a way to give hope to the parents uh, of the in the city, in the city itself. His point about the, uh, he doesn't think, he doesn't know if Lightfoot would be elected, but if he's not elected, Who's, who's, who are the next people that'll be elected? Um, I can only see a few that have the, a decent heart. You know, I think uh, Ray Lopez has a good heart. I think Willie Wilson has a good heart. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they have the uh, experience in, in city management and budget. And I think we need a, a manager. Right. But, um, but, you know, if, if Chicago wants to go another way, uh, Paul should just ride out of town, 
Yeah. Get on the horse, keep his back straight and, uh, <laughs> and live and live a life because sure. if this city doesn't want to live, I, I don't know how you, how you drag it. If the people don't want to survive. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's one thing to have a city that's humming along and cranking yeah. and all things are great. Obviously no city is all things are great, but relatively great. Crime is down. Money is good. Tourism is good. It's one thing to have to say, hey, let's bring in some new wild card to try to shake it up and look at what we're not, what we can still do to improve ourselves. But when the city is a, you know, is on fire on multiple fronts and being battered by a storm, you need a competent captain. You need someone who's been there before, someone who has that, that not going to flinch. I mean, you talk about it in sports all the time. Oh, they got knocked out of the playoffs in the first round. They just didn't have that experience. Now they've got that experience. Next time they'll make it. Well, yeah, absolutely. And we don't need a first timer. We don't need a, a Willie Wilson. We don't need a, a Cam Buckner. We don't need, uh, I mean, even a Ray Lopez. I love Ray, but I don't think Ray has, has enough big institutional management skill to, to really tackle everything that needs to be done. Well, this and, is an argument they have to make to the yeah. people of Chicago. And just one, you know, last note from us or from me personally, um, if you want to get up off the ground and you want to stand up, you just have to get your feet under you and stand up. That's how it works. You, you're on the Chicago's on the ground now. Yeah. Fifty people shot over the Memorial Day weekend. Cops retiring, leaving, totally uh, demoralized yeah. after what after what Lori Lightfoot and Kim Fox and Tony Preckwinkle have done. Uh, it's your city, Chicago. You know, I don't own it. You know, it's your town. So. And I love Chicago. So let's see what happens. Yeah. For, for Jeff Carlin. Oh, I'm sorry. For Paul Vallis, <laughs> who uh, rejected our advice and is running for mayor of Chicago uh, because the city is on the brink. And for Jeff Carlin, my friend, co-host here, and uh, a man who is busily selecting the sponsorships that are coming in now, the sponsorship offers. And we're yes. going to be doing that soon. And for me, John Cass, husband, father, Greek Orthodox Christian, editor-in-chief of John Cass News, your favorite website, johncassnews.com. And I will, I will sponsor myself. Thanks for joining us on another edition of the Chicago Way Podcast on WGN+.